Hello and welcome to the Top Story, a podcast that brings you the headlines of the day with the help of correspondents from around the world. Among Zhang, coming up in this edition. At least 30 people have died and more than 100 other passengers were injured when a train derailed in southern Pakistan. Niger's military coup leaders have ordered the country's airspace closed until further notice, citing a threat of foreign military invasion. And a summit held in Saudi Arabia in search of a path towards peace in the Russia-Ukraine conflict has ended with support for further consultations. We start off in Asia. At least 30 people have died and more than 100 were injured when a train derailed in southern Pakistan. The accident, which involved about 10 cars, happened on Sunday morning in Sindh province. Rescue agencies and the army are busy with clean-up work. Daniel Khan has more. The Federal Minister for Railways and Aviation, Khwaja Saad Rafiq, has expressed concerns about uh, possible sabotage as uh, the cause behind the accident. He has said the uh, mishap could uh, be attributed to either a mechanical fault or a deliberate act, saying that initial investigations uh, suggest that uh, the train was traveling at a reasonable speed. Uh, now, a comprehensive investigation has been initiated. The accident has led to the suspension of train operations to an from the interior districts of uh, the Sindh province, impacting thousands of people. Uh, railway authorities estimate it may take up to 18 hours to fully restore operations. The government has announced the dispatch of a relief train to the site and emergency measures have been imposed in uh, the district's uh, hospitals. Uh, nine out of ten wrecked uh, bogies have uh, been cleared, but heavy machinery is still required to clear the remaining bogie. Uh, with the train reportedly carrying more passengers than its uh, capacity, Capacity authorities fear a significant loss of life uh, in the coming hours. Uh, local residents have uh, stepped up uh, to assist in the rescue and relief efforts. Uh, Sindh Information Minister Shajil Aman Meman has said that uh, the entire machinery of the Sindh government has been mobilized uh, for the relief operation. The Pakistan Army, along with other rescue agencies and civil administration, is also engaged in relief activities. Ambulances have also arrived at uh, the scene. Providing much-needed uh, medical aid and uh, food to the rescued uh, passengers. That was Daniel Kan reporting. Moving on to Africa, the military coup leaders in Niger have ordered the country's airspace closed until further notice, citing a threat of foreign military invasion. The move comes as the ECOWAS deadline expired on Sunday, with the military ignoring its demand to reinstate ousted President Mohamed Bazoum. Deji Badmus has more. ECOWAS says it will still continue to pursue、uh, the diplomatic option, try to resolve this、uh, through peaceful means. And besides, there's no unanimity as yet because、uh, there are quite a number of African countries who do not support、um, a military intervention at this time. So they want、um, the whole peaceful process now to be exhausted before resorting to、uh, military action. So we're not likely to see military action just yet.、Uh, we, we just have to wait. ECOWAS, of course,、uh, will try to send another mission to Niger. To try and meet with、uh, the military junta there, especially the the current military leader, try to talk them out of this coup and that they hand back power to President Bazoum, who continues to be detained in the presidential palace there. But as of yet,、um, th- there's no likelihood that we're going to see any military intervention just yet. We would see、uh, increasing actions now on those sanctions, and、uh, of course,、um, the people of Niger will begin to feel the impact of those sanctions、uh, going forward. There's an easy calm in Niger.、Uh, 
people are gathered at the stadium where they cheered the uh, military junta and uh, of course uh, expressing their, their happiness with what has happened and sounding very defiant. Uh, so, But across the country, uh, people are worried, people are concerned, they do not know what is coming. Uh, they still worry over the possibility of a military intervention, uh, even though that is looking very unlikely. And then they're worried about the scale of sanctions that will be coming because people are already beginning to feel the impact of the sanctions. All the borders, Nigeria's borders with Niger, uh, with Niger has been closed. Uh, same thing as Benin Republic. And these two countries, Nigeria and Benin, are very important trading routes now for Niger. But um, those borders have been shut down. So the people will definitely feel the impact. That was Deji Budmus reporting from neighboring Nigeria. Over to North America. A possible fourth indictment is looming against former U.S. President Donald Trump, this time over allegations of election interference in the state of Georgia in 2020. Karina Mitchell has more. A federal judge in the election interference criminal case against former U.S. President Donald Trump has given him until Monday evening to respond to special counsel Jack Smith's motion for a protective order. The request from the Justice Department seeks to prevent Trump and his legal team from disclosing materials provided by the government about the case, with even stricter limits on materials considered sensitive. That would include grand jury witness testimony and materials obtained through sealed search warrants. It comes after a post from Trump on his Truth Social platform Friday, which read, quote, If you go after me, I'm coming after you. Prosecutors told U.S. District Judge Tanya Chukin that if the former president started posting about evidence in the case, that could have a, quote, chilling effect on witnesses and potentially jeopardize a fair outcome in the trial. In a statement, a Trump spokesperson said the post is, quote, the definition of political speech. Smith has said prosecutors will seek a speedy trial in this third criminal indictment against the early 2024 Republican primary frontrunner. Trump has pleaded not guilty to the charges against him. Meanwhile, an historic fourth indictment may also be forthcoming. That, as a district attorney in Georgia, has promised to wrap up a state investigation there into possible 2020 election interference by the end of the month. Road closures have been ordered around the courthouse as a protective measure starting this week. At a campaign event in Alabama after his third arraignment, Trump brushed off a potential fourth criminal trial noting the loyalty of his base of supporters. Every time they file an indictment, we go way up in the polls. We need one more indictment to close out this election. One more indictment, and this election is closed out. Nobody has even a chance. There was former U.S. President ending the report by Karina Mitchell in New York. In the Middle East, a meeting in Saudi Arabia seeking a path towards peace in the Russia-Ukraine conflict has ended with participants supporting further consultations. More than 40 countries, including China, India, EU countries and the United States, took part in the talks that ended on Sunday in Jeddah. Ukraine sent representatives to the two-day meeting, while Russia did not participate. Adele Amarui has more. The Jeddah-Ukraine talks concluded on Sunday with recommendations to continue consultations between participants at future talks. Security advisors and officials from about 40 countries, in addition to international organizations, say their meetings tackled positive recommendations for the Russian-Ukrainian crisis. They also stressed the importance of utilizing suggestions aimed at establishing common ground that can pave the way toward an eventual resolution of the conflict. 
Kiev said the talks in Jeddah were fruitful, while Moscow said they were a reflection of continued non-worthy Western efforts doomed to failure. Notably, Ukraine took part in the talks. Russia did not. Those reactions confirm the likelihood of direct peace talks between the two sides remains extremely low. It's the second of such meetings to be held this year, following a smaller gathering in Copenhagen earlier in the summer. However, this gathering in Jeddah saw significant participation of countries beyond Ukraine's Western allies. China, India, Brazil and many developing countries of the Global South joined the Saudi talks. Overall, participants say there is agreement over some fundamental issues crucial for building peace. That was Adele Amore reporting. August the 7th marks the fifth anniversary since the United States reimposed sanctions against Iran. This took place after then-U.S. President Donald Trump pulled the country out from a nuclear deal with Iran in 2018. Asan Kavani looks at the humanitarian impacts of the sanctions in Iran. In May 2018, then-U.S. President Donald Trump ended Washington's participation in the 2015 nuclear deal with Iran. The move was followed by an initial set of non-oil sanctions on August 7, 2018. Since then, Iran's economy has experienced an inflationary recession, the Iranian currency Rial has lost two-thirds of its value, and oil exports have significantly dropped. Imported goods affected by the devalued national currency become more expensive due to extra charges imposed to bypass the sanctions. The foreign currency we need for imports needs to be accepted by the central bank, which takes months. The money is then transferred to the supplier through third-party companies with substantial commission. This increases the final price and reduces our competitiveness. The only thing the Trump and Biden administrations have done is to increase the pressure on the Iranian people and not the government. Since the sanctions were reimposed in 2018, Washington has steadily added new designations against Iran and any individuals and companies linked with the country. The charters of global and intergovernmental organizations emphasize that International sanctions and embargoes should not prevent medical patients from accessing humanitarian goods. But importing vital medicines for Iranian patients is almost impossible because of the way the sanctions block financial transactions. Here's what the relatives of patients shared with us in front of a major pharmacy in Tehran, where citizens from across the country go to find rare medicines. My patient is in the hospital and in dire need of medication. They say they will let me know in a few hours whether or not they can get the medicine. I am coming from the suburbs of Tehran. I couldn't find my mom's medication in my town. Here, they didn't have the imported pills and switched the prescription for Iranian pills instead. I'm not sure how effective they are. The ordinary Iranian citizens who suffer from a sanction-hit economy and an inflation rate of at least 40% are waiting to see what the future holds. That was Isan Kavani reporting. Before we go, here's a recap of today's top stories. At least 30 people have died and more than 100 others were injured when a train derailed in southern Pakistan. Niger's military coup leaders have ordered the country's airspace closed until further notice, citing a threat of foreign military invasion. And a meeting held in Saudi Arabia in search of a path towards peace in the Russia-Ukraine conflict has ended with support for further consultations. That concludes this edition of The Top Story. A 
podcast that brings you world headlines every weekday. For more news in politics, business, sports, and culture, you can subscribe to the Beijing Hour, a one-hour podcast news magazine program. We welcome and appreciate all ratings and reviews. I'm Meng Zhang. Thank you for listening.